This episode is brought to you by the One Fork Group Incorporated, a leading supplier of innovative dormancy and sprout inhibiting products for the potato storage industry. They believe that sustainability is intrinsically linked with the concept of stewardship. One Fork Group practices sustainability by helping farmers minimize product loss using their family of biocontrol products. Learn more at oneforgroup.com. Welcome to the Potato Field Podcast with Spudman Magazine. I'm your host, Zeke Jennings, editor of Spudman, and joining me today from North Dakota is Tom and Corey Enander of Enander Seed Farm. Tom, Corey, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be I here. Pre- appreciate you being here. Um, first of all, uh, you guys are located in, in very western North Dakota in Granora, which is pretty close to the Montana state line. Um, when I think of North Dakota, I typically think of you know Red River Valley, but you guys are pretty far away from that. So first of all, how was planting and how is the season going for you so far as we chat on June 21st here? Very grateful to be done planting. For us, it was a very, very dry spring as for Angola, North Dakota, and very grateful for the irrigation to have and be able to, we started on time, you know, we started about May 5th and we get done the end of the month. Um, I think we got done on June 2nd this and it went really well. It had a great crew. You know, when you plant 109 varieties, it's, it takes a lot of organizing. Um, but that's, that's why you have a great team. 109 varieties. That is crazy. That is a lot of, a lot of different varieties of potatoes, but when you're in seed, you have to be diverse, right? You do. And we enjoy the diversity. I mean, everything from chips to, you know, the, the whole russet market. Um, and then you get into the reds and some of the specialty varieties and it's, it's a joy. It's a joy to see the new ones come in and you know how to, how to raise the good old standbys. And now you have a few varieties that maybe our longer season or short season, or it's, it's just a lot of fun to see them come in and get feedback from those that wanted us to grow them in terms of the agronomics of them and any secrets we need to know, any weaknesses we need to know, what are their strengths? Why are you interested in it? You know, just learning the new varieties is a a great fun thing for us. Um, Let's go back to the beginning of your careers, because uh, it's an interesting story. I mean, there are so many multi-generational farms in farming. It's, it's not an easy profession to break into if you don't have that infrastructure already there. Uh, could you just share a little bit on how you guys got into farming, you know, earlier in your careers? Sure. So I grew up on a seed potato farm, and my mom and dad are from the Netherlands, and um, so grew up on, in the Red River Valley, just north of Grand Forks. And dad had six girls and one boy. I'm the youngest of the seven. So grew up literally just walking the potato fields. Um, about 10 years old, you got the honor. <laughs> and it was an honor at that little age to, to go out with everybody to go uh, rogue potatoes and uh, either weeding or roguing. And, you know, growing up, I was born in 74. So, you know, growing up in, in the eighties, um, every morning we would be out with the sun and we'd start walking the potatoes and dad wasn't quite as early. Well, he was early generation in the sense, but we did it different. We didn't have the whole 
quite the generation system and quite the greenhouse ability back, you know, in the 70s and 80s. In the 90s is when it started, and I, I can share a little bit about that because we, we were definitely integral in that because Dad had his own greenhouse on the farm after he got in the Netherlands. And then, um, and then companies like Valley Tissue Culture, the North Dakota State Seed Department, you know, Sklarzik started thereafter. So grateful for them. Um, but then, then I went to NDSU and um, started working with Dr. Gary Secor and Dr. Neil Goodmanstead, who are definitely industry leaders and continued in the area of pathology and potatoes. And it always fascinated me. Dad tried so hard to be a good supplier of clean seed. So it was kind of in my heart and I, I really enjoyed it. It was what I knew, right? And you, 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 Dad always said, uh, do what you dream about. And I, I did. I did dream about potatoes and I did dream about diseases and, and how to provide clean seed. So very grateful on that end. All right, Tom, what was your background? How did you, uh, how did you guys meet and how did, were you, did you have a farming background as well? Yeah, I grew up on a farm in, in, in central North Dakota and this is a cattle and grain farm. And I went to NDSU and I ended up working for Dr. Jim Lorenzo, a potato physiologist, and uh, really got exposed to potatoes and, and horticulture was really, agriculture and horticulture was really my passion. And, and then we, uh, we had the opportunity or we looked into opportunities of how to, to do an isolated early generation seed farm. And that's what kind of brought us up to the Granora area. We just kind of looked around and, and, and sought some opportunities of what we could do or what was available. Um, we just drove into a yard of a, of a, of a farmer who never met him and, and proposed the idea. And he just looked at us and said, well, you can rent my farm. And when I'm done, I'll sell it to you. And that's how we ended up here. And that's how it all started. Now, was he growing seed potatoes or did he have a potato farm? But it was just, you liked the land. Yeah, yeah, it was just an opportunity, just some irrigation and, and the right land and the right soil and the right isolation. But no, he, he was just a, a cattle farmer. Wow, that's, uh, that's so interesting. And, you know, you brought up the isolation, and that's so important in, in seed potatoes. And like I mentioned, you guys are in the extreme western end of North Dakota. What is the soil like uh, where you're at? What's the growing season like? Well, it's still uh, similar to North Dakota. There's not a lot of uh, elevation difference across even the whole state. But uh, it's, it's a sandy, uh, good irrigated soil with... Uh, with uh, aquifer water, and so it, it works well for potatoes. We're close to Canada, and it's it's a, it's a short season, but again, it works very good for a, for a potato growing season. And you mentioned that it's 109 varieties at this point. Uh, how do you go about you know choosing which you're going to grow? And you mentioned some of your partners that you work with already. And uh, how do you how do you pinpoint and target some of these new varieties that you want to try out? That's a lot of visiting with the growers, visiting with the market leaders and seeing what they're going to be needing and and they kind of tell us what to grow. So it's it takes a lot of the guessing game out when you work closely with them. So we're not growing something that isn't needed because it's really, you know, such important space um, and on our farm. So we just we only grow 200 acres. So when you say 109 varieties, you think, oh, this must be, you know, thousands. No, 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 it's, it's only 200 acres. So it's very small plots. 
And so when we get it, for instance, like from Sklarzik or from Valley Tissue Culture, we plant four rows and then we dig four rows. And so, you know, however, however much space is needed in the field, whether it's 0.2 acres, 0.1, sometimes 20 feet, but you know, we, we're not really a research farm. We're definitely for the market. And um, most, you know, we, we recognize not all varieties make it. And so, but we contract grow and, and they've always been very good to us to, to still, you know, work through that contract and we work with them and it's a great relationship. And those that we work with, I'm very grateful for them and they're great people. And I'm so proud of our potato industry. Now, as far as your production, do you basically just grow like the first uh, first field year generation? Do you grow uh, multi, do you do any replanting or are you selling uh, just one year out? Most of it is the first year. I mean, it's about 60 acres of field year one, and then the remaining is field year two. So a lot of stuff we ship after that field year one, a lot of the varieties. So it goes to other isolated areas, Ashton, Idaho, um, you know, can do North Dakota, uh, some out to Michigan, you know, some out to Oregon. So it, it can kind of run the gamut, some to Minnesota. Um, but there's just a few varieties that we will replant for that second year. And yeah. Um, are there any of the, the newer varieties uh, that you're experiencing that you've just started growing recently that you've taken a shine to? Any up and coming varieties? There's some nice specialty varieties. Everybody knows Charlie Higgins in the industry. <laughs> he always, he's always throwing a few varieties at us or suggesting a few. And, um, you know, he's, he's uh, works with like Alegria and, you know, Real Potato is also coming on with, with a few varieties for us. And so that's kind of fun, but there is a couple, you know, breeding type um, couple that we work with out of Idaho, and then um, Susie Thompson also has a couple out of North Dakota. And boy, those those people that are have taken an interest in them are really speaking them up. So we're pretty excited to to be dealing in those varieties too. And we always like new varieties coming on. Do you struggle with black spot or pressure bruise in your potato crop? The Proven Biocontrol 1-4 site helps increase deliverables to your shed or plant by reducing the severity and indices of bruise. Incorporate 1-4 site into your existing storage program for unprecedented success. Learn more at 1-4group.com. And now back to the podcast. Now, what do you hear most from, from your customers about the traits that they could really use in a potato? I mean, I mean, what, are, what is kind of the hot, hot topics? Is it uh, are there any certain diseases that they're concerned about, you know, uh, varieties that don't use as much water? I mean, what, what are you kind of hearing, I guess, is from your customers of what they want? Same. I mean, we do look for resistances for sure on diseases hmm. and resistance towards or, or low felt susceptibility, you know, with PBY is always a big one because it'll kick us out of certification, you know, really quickly for a seed grower. And so that's always important, but, you know, even some of the skin issues and, you know, we can see it as we, as we harvest, does it have a good skin set or not, especially for the early red market, for instance. So in storability, you know, they, they want them to store and some of the varieties don't make it because they don't store well or they get pressure bruising or 
So it kind of runs the gamut again, depending on what market you're speaking about. But of course, yield is always a big one. I mean, we're, we're always going for bigger yield. Um, so, but yeah, I was still, still producing the rest of Burbanks, you know, the good old standbys. I see a little bit of shifting in variety. We still hold some of the standbys because we just don't know some of the weaknesses in the new varieties yet. Mm -hmm. And it, yeah, it is a long process. Like you, uh, you mentioned even before we started recording, I mean, you're, you're a lot of years out from the commercial market, you know, as many as six years. So, um, it's, it's kind of nice to have uh, you guys providing that, that early feedback and, you know, mm -hmm. and on that note, do you, do you generally give your feedback, you know, to the breeders and, and, and the tissue culture of, you know, hey, I'm noticing this, I'm noticing that type thing? I do. I love to take pictures. Mm -hmm. So I love to take pictures during planting and even to show dormancy break and so forth and, and the quality of the seed that, that I'm receiving. I'll send that back to the growers so they know, oh, this is what Corey planted for us. And, um, you know, and give feedback back to the, to the mini tuber provider, man, the seed looks awesome. It is in the perfect dormancy break. You did a great job green sprouting this. You know, so I really like to give uh, the positive feedback and, um, and maybe, maybe we need to take this one out of the cooler a little earlier. You know, let's, let's give this thing all that it's got because it's a long, uh, a long season variety, things like that. But, you know, I love to ride the harvester. I ride the harvester at, um, at during harvesting. And so I take, I just, a couple years ago, I started taking a video clip of every variety it goes by me. So I know exactly the, the tuber size, the profile. Uh, I make any comments, what I'm seeing, any weaknesses, any strengths that I'm seeing. Uh, that's been a lot of fun to do and send that on to the grower so they know what I harvested, know what it looks like, know the quality that's going into the bin. I love to communicate with the growers. It's their seed, it's their future. I feel it's my duty to give them feedback. That's really interesting. So you do actually like a, a video log for every variety? Yep. And you send that, uh, so you just send that to your customers directly? Yep. What is uh, the feedback that you've gotten from them on this, on doing that? I mean, do they, do they love it? Do they eat it up? They do, they do. Um, yeah, a few of my customers say more, you know, I, they, they just love it. They just love it. Because, of course, with COVID, they couldn't come out. You're going to live in the middle of nowhere. It's not an easy place to go. So, you know, pictures and, you know, messaging them, what the state of the crop. And I love to hear questions from them um, and any agronomic feedback that suggestions they might have for me. Hey, watch that variety. It's going to bulk on you quick at the end. Okay, thanks. Good to know. <laughs> So it's great to have that communication with the growers, and I do love that end of it. Uh, you mentioned uh, COVID, and you know that that's throwing a, a big uh, monkey wrench in the supply chain, um, and that does filter back to the the seed guys. They're not the commercial guys, so they're not dealing with the um, with the processing contracts and stuff. But they're the next step back. But you're even further step back from that because you're such early generation small plot, but have you noticed any differences or, or, you know, residual effects from COVID on, you know, uh, the size of, of the orders that people want and that kind of thing, or is it just not really apply to you because you are such small plots? I think in visiting with some of the chip growers, 
they are moving toward small toward varieties that produce smaller tubers for the smaller snack bag stuff. You know that that's one of the practical ones I hear. Um, you know we see a little shift from the rust. It's more to the chips at the moment. Um, so, but and the red market still kind of remain pretty pretty even for us. But um, I don't, I can tell I don't have as many russets in the pipeline, at least for right now. And I think that's because of the, the COVID shift. I think that pendulum will swing back next year. Um, so we might have a little gap, we, well, we don't know, you know, it just depends. But um, it seems like in the end, uh, some supply chains are more fluctuating on weather issues throughout the country. Um, and we make up on a variety aspect of things. I still get some Hey, do you have any Winetta, uh, Lamoka? I mean, it was a big chip request seed year. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what about the specialty varieties and, you know, because you see more like the specialty chips, you know, the different colored chips and, and things like that. So are you, are you seeing more requests for that kind of thing? Much. You know, it is such a small niche market. It seems like growers are able to supply their own on a lot of that. Um, so I don't, I mean, I've done some of the blackberry and the, you know, the huckleberry gold, uh, some of those on small quantities, but again, those are pretty small quantities. So it ends up working a lot with, uh, with the bigger industry people and the bigger growers that maybe aren't specializing in those ones. Um, you mentioned earlier, uh, that it was, it's been pretty dry where you're at. It seems to be universal this year, all over the country. I, I don't know too many regions that are getting more water than they want. Uh, how is the, the season going so far? Um, are you upping your, your irrigation output to, uh, to keep up with that dryness? Yeah, we haven't received much moisture at all. We had a nice one rain, one rain event uh, earlier, but no, we're just keeping it up with uh, with the irrigation. It's been up a little bit. It start a little bit earlier than we normally do, on, even on some of the other crops. But um, you know, potatoes are progressing well, and and I guess we're still looking for uh, a nice. Uh, it's been a nice sunny uh, sunny June so far, and it's been a little warmer than maybe normal. But farming um, is looking nice, and, and we're doing good. Uh, yeah, I talked to one of my contacts in Idaho the end of last week, and they were expecting like near 100 degree temperatures uh, this week. I don't know. How are things going? Are you, are you getting that kind of heat yet? We've had a few days of a warmer, uh, you know, a week and a half ago or so, but um, it's, it's cool right now, but it's definitely going to, the, the warm up is, is, is headed our way again. So we're going to get back up there up in the, up in the 90s again. Well, that sounds great. And um, to kind of end with something fun, uh, any of favorite potato varieties that you like to eat and how do you like to cook them? One thing I kind of like to do is since we grow so many varieties and I want to know they're storing and wash them up and look at the skin on them. And so I kind of run the gamut in the, in the warehouse and I, I just kind of pick and choose. Um, the family does have a favorite. It's called Mondak Gold, which we're actually bringing back into our little world. I, I don't know if it's necessarily going to make it on a, on a market level, 
but it is one of my favorites. Um, they, it was produced by Christian Thill, who passed away out of Minnesota several years ago, and um, uh, we love it. It, it was to, to the point where if I pulled anything else out of the warehouse, the kids were like, oh man, not a Wombat Gold. <laughs> they knew immediately, they knew immediately. Of course, I, I do a lot of mashed potatoes, a lot of boiled potatoes, and we just kind of run the gamut on the potato world. Uh, meat and potatoes is kind of our thing, but um, they can definitely tell what variety I'm pulling in and, and what they think of it. They let me know. I just done. I mean, you, you mentioned meat and potatoes, but I mean, that's, uh, that represents the two of you. You know, Tom grew up on a cattle farm. You grew up on a potato farm. There's nothing more American than meat and potatoes, right? That's right. That's so, right. Um, uh, any interest of the kids to, to continue on the farm or you think they might scatter and do something else? No, I've got uh, four kids and uh, daughter is off in college, oldest daughter and our oldest son is he's out there every day with us and he's been uh, just a great help. So he, uh, he kind of enjoys it and, and the other kids too. They're all part of the, they're either at the warehouse or at the field. Um, between spring and fall, they're pretty involved and they, they do look like they're really uh, taking an interest. So we'll have to see where that goes. Well, Tom, Corey, and Ander, uh, thank you so much for, for joining me. Uh, I'm sure uh, it's not a stretch to say, I'm sure the industry appreciates your diligence to growing that clean seed that is, you know, the, the pipeline of the industry. So uh, we appreciate what you do and we appreciate you being here. Thank you, Zeke. We do appreciate, we do appreciate the potato industry. You know, it's, a, it's an industry that you want to be honest and true and everybody Everyone subscribes to that, and I'm really grateful for it. And so I really thank the North Dakota State Seed Department who has who works so closely with us and supports us, and, and just the growers around the nation. Thank you for coming to us. We're really honored to work with you and supply your needs. So, you know, it's, it's something that holds us together throughout the nation, and so wish you all the best. Have a great growing season. Thank you so much, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening, everybody. And thanks again to uh, One Four Group, our sponsor. Be sure to go check them out at onefourgroup.com. We'll see you next time.